For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's up, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. Ooh, good program today. Good program today. Our friend Shauna Shanks on the broadcast. And today's broadcast is brought to you by Trinova Cleaning Products. Amazon.com slash Trinova. Code word REBELPOD gets you 20% off everything they sell. If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you can see me using the foam cannon. Foam cannon on Laura's car. It is so much fun. Who would have thought as an adult it's fun to wash your car? It's fun when you have a foam cannon, when you shoot out giant, giant buckets of white, crazy foam all over the car. It makes it much more fun. And... The cleaning products that we love from Trinova. The all-purpose cleaner. Who knew an all-purpose cleaner could be that good after having used it for the last 40 years? Uh, And it doesn't smell like chemicals, which I hate. And the blue agave dish soap. Love that so much. Trinova at Amazon.com slash Trinova. Code word REBELPOD gives you 20% off and... It supports Rebel Parenting. They support Rebel Parenting when you buy those products and you already need them. So thank you so much. Shauna Shanks, my goodness, I love this broadcast so much. And I was thinking, what more can I say about it? What more? And I, I looked online, and this is from an Amazon review from HEDA, or HEDA, H-E-D-A. It says, uh, five stars, one of the best marriage books I've ever read, ever And I have read a lot, full caps, of marriage books. It says, whoa, mind blown. Every marriage should have this as required reading. My whole idea of what love looks like was turned around. Shank speaks transparently, parentheses, but not horribly graphically, in parentheses, about her husband's affair and about the spiritual attacks they were both undergoing during that time. She also speaks of the victory she experienced in Christ personally, before God ever healed her marriage. Each step of the way, she sought God's leading. Quote, I have found that I am safe in obedience. End quote. Anyone who's been in this Christian journey for a while knows this is so true. Meanwhile, God was using her renewed love for her husband to remind her of his relentless, grace-filled love for her. That's why she's back on the podcast today. So without any further ado, here is our friend Shauna Shanks on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Shauna, thank you so much for coming on the broadcast today. Uh, We really do love A Fierce Love. Um, This book, it was painful. It was heartbreaking. It gave us hope. It was challenging. So we just thank you so much for coming on the broadcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Glad to be it's here. It's definitely our pleasure. Can you, for our listeners that haven't read your book and don't know your story, can you just open up by telling the beginning of your story and let's just dive into the beginning of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this book was born out of um, my marriage falling apart, actually. In 2013, my husband, we were about to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary, and he approached me instead and said that he wanted a divorce. Mm. And um, two weeks after that initial conversation, he admitted that he was having an affair. 
And, um, you know, I never had given it too much thought. I'd never really felt like that would be me. You know, probably everyone thinks that like, oh, that would never happen to me. But I guess I had thought like, if it ever did happen, that would be the end of it. And, you know, we would get a divorce and I would move on with my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, that wasn't like a lot of thought to it. Like I just, that's what I, um, I was really surprised when it actually happened. Um, I kind of went to the Lord in desperation, um, and said, you know, what, what am I going to do? You know, what was surprising to me was, um, I was absolutely heartbroken, um, as a mom, like I felt like I didn't just get the luxury of wallowing and spiraling into depression and like just taking a minute to just process and be sad because I immediately started thinking of, you know, shared parenting and what school district would the kids be in and would I miss them when it wasn't my turn. You had three you know, boys like at the time. I immediately started thinking about how yeah, old were they? Three boys, and at the time, at the time, they were two, four, and eight. Wow. So you've been married so, almost ten um, years. Um, yeah. you're leading children's ministry at church. Things are going well. I mean, you've got the dream, right? Married kids working at a church. Things are going good. You go away yeah. to a conference, you come back super stoked and you come in and your, and your husband's like, Hey, I want a divorce just out of the blue. Super yeah. shock. Yeah. yeah, man. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then I so, think you're right. Um, you know, especially when you find out there's been infidelity, I think our culture today says, well, you have to get divorced. Yeah. It's just, it's not a secular Christian thing. It's just everybody. We see this all over the place. Well, you're going to get divorced, right? He cheated on you. You have to. But we love to see this well, remnant had... of people standing and not getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. That's what is awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really didn't know. Maybe that there, I knew that there was an option not to get a divorce, obviously, but I actually had one friend who had been through infidelity and she said, well, you can stay married, but it's never going to be the same. Like he's never going to be able to be five minutes late again. And you get to, you know, throw a fit and, you know, you get to check all of his, you know, everything. And basically like she was describing a life that I didn't want. To yeah. Live. Like legalism. Like, if this is marriage. <laughs> suspicion. Yeah. Yeah. Like if yeah. this is marriage after infidelity, then that's not what I want. You get to be a jailer. You know? so I, I really, you're always going to be suspicious of your husband. He's going to be beholden to you. Right. You're going to hold the keys to the, to the cell and you get to pick up his phone whenever you want. <laughs> and I mean, there's this weird cat and mouse like it's never going to be the same again and then they get you get to punish exactly. them forever right yeah. who wants that yep yeah yeah and so that's not that's not what i wanted and so that's why i guess i just i'd never really thought about it but i just felt like there wasn't really another option you know why did you feel that way so i mean you thought about it before like hey if there's infidelity well then i guess i'm gonna have to you know move on with my life why did you say well that's not an option i guess i i guess i don't know other than um Okay, and I kind of talk about this a little bit in the book tour. Like, I haven't really seen a lot of resources for women um, after infidelity, especially in the church. Yeah. I mean, I'm a church girl, so I grew up in the church. Um, I knew a couple, some couples, you know, over the years who had, you know, suffered infidelity, and they were divorced. And um, there, and I thought, like, there's got to be couples within the church that have been through infidelity. There, there has to be. Yeah. But, like, none of them are coming out. And, like, I, I couldn't find any resources on it that stayed in the church and that stayed married. Yeah, because there's—I can only think of one. I think Cindy Beal has, re, you know, written yeah. Building a Marriage Better Than New. It's a very similar story. Yeah. But it's almost none because it's—I think there's this weird thing. It, it, we say we don't want to pretend everything's perfect, but— in the Christian world, I mean, come on, you know, uh, things like this don't happen. We just want to pretend these things don't happen, right? 
And that's kind of what, you know, prompted us to go forward with our story afterwards. Is like so many people from the church, like from not in the church and from the church, were kind of coming out of the woodwork like, hey, this thing, same thing happened and we haven't talked about it for five or ten years. Can we talk to you about it? Whoa. And we realized that, you know, this is happening. Like, And it's kind of like because I grew up in church, um, kind of like we put a stigma on certain sins. Like you can oh, be a judgmental sure. person, right? And you can... <laughs> yeah. You can like scream at your kids and you can, you know, eat all the food that you want with or whatever. Like, but once you have an affair or it's a sexual sin, like that's the big sin that God will not forgive or, or if he forgives, people will never forgive it. So don't talk Mm -hmm. about it. And so we kind of just went through this crash course and, oh my goodness, like this is not too big for God either. Like Mm -hmm. redemption is redemption is redemption and it's for us. And we didn't feel like second-class Christians. Like God does feel whole and welcome and forgiven. Mm. And so it was kind of like just us, you know, shouting from the rooftops quietly through the book, you know, like, hey, guys, you don't have to live in shame, you know. And not only do you not have to live in shame, like God restores. Um, the lady that took us under our wing was actually Micah's half-sister. And she there was a saying that she always used to say, like, when God restores something, he brings it to his original intent. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I didn't want that old marriage. You know, we weren't, uh, we weren't chasing right. God in that marriage. We weren't like, I mean, I didn't feel like a lot of problems, but it just wasn't passionate. You know, it certainly mm-hmm. was passionate for the Lord. And so um, that's what I wanted to encourage people. It's like, you don't have to just stay married on paper, but God can redeem this and your marriage can be his original intent. And that's powerful. So how did you continue on in that journey? Like, what was your, what would you share with a a mom who's listening or a wife who's listening? Who's like, oh my gosh, I'm in the same spot. I know it's occurring. What would you give to them? A couple tidbits that you found helped you through the, I guess the torrent of it, like the hard part. Because your husband didn't want to stay together. That was the difference. You know, it's not like, you know, he made a mistake and you found out about this and now you're both going to work on it together. He said, I don't love you and I don't want to be married to you. I mean, and that's, that was the road. Then you were left alone on this. So, you know, you've got the Lord saying, I want you to persevere. I want you to endure. And you're saying, I'm going to stick with this. And he's saying, it's too bad for you. I don't want to do any of this stuff. I mean, that's a tough road to walk. So I feel like what would make sense to your listeners if, if I just take you back to um, that moment where I was kind of spiraling, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking, what do I do? Because as you mentioned, like he said, like, I'm not attracted to you. I don't want to be married to you. He said, I've wasted 10 years of my life with you. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like he held it in for so long that he was just kind of exploded and was like, now I'm being honest. Now I'm being my true self and I'm going to move on with this person, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, at that point was when I really just, I didn't know what to do, but I knew that I couldn't just spiral out of control because I had to be a mom. I had to pull myself together and shield them. And so that very same night that he told me he wanted a divorce, this is before I knew about the affair, but he had told me he wanted a divorce. And I'm laying in the bottom bunk of my son's bunk bed because he had woken up crying. And I'm just desperate. And I said, God, what do I do? And he took me to 1 Corinthians 13, which I thought, like, I'm like laying there desperate but also arguing with God, like, no, God, I know that verse, <laughs> like first Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, right? So like your listeners probably who are some who are Christians and some who are not like most people know that, that 
reference. Yes. Um, if you've ever walked into a Hobby Lobby, you know, like you've seen <laughs> totally. it on the pillows and on the wooden signs, like yeah. love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrong. And it mm. talks about it always hopes. It always endures. So um, I was just so happy that I felt like, oh, I asked the God of the universe for help. And he spoke to me, you know, and it was just such an amazing moment that I ended up studying that those scriptures the next two weeks and kind of developed what I call in the book, a love filter. Mm -hmm. So for those two weeks, um, I just made it my mission. Like I have no control over what this man is doing. Like if he is dead set on divorcing me, he is going to, but today I can be kind today. I cannot be rude. And today I don't have to fly off the handle you know, and be angry. Like I cannot be, so it was kind of like all that other stuff that I was worried about. It took all of my energy to be nice to that man. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So I mean, how I hard was became, it? Honestly, how hard is that to, for someone that's not being nice, that's admitting wrongdoing, you know, all those types of things. How hard was it to, to practice that, to be nice, to be kind, to gentle, to show hard. patience? It is hard. And, you know, what I've found is that God is not afraid to ask us to do hard things, Mm -hmm. you know, and like that was news to me. I thought that God was there to make my life better and to make (laughs) me feel less of pain. To rescue you from your pain. Yeah. You you protect me from this stuff. You don't lead me to it and say do it. (laughs) Totally. And so, yeah, so I realized that he is not afraid to ask us to do hard things. And if you read the Bible with these new literal eyes, it's like, gosh, like he... He's really not concerned much in this life about how, you know, happy we are and how easy it is. But what I found is that also that was true, but the Holy Spirit working is true. And that if he asks you to do something, that he will also empower you to do it. So I did have to be intentional with just be kind today. Like that was my discipline, right? So I felt like if I snapped at him and was rude and not patient and angry, that would be a disobedience unto the Lord. So it wasn't even about Micah so much in that season. It's yeah. God, you've tasked me to do something, and I want to be obedient to you. But what I found is that he empowered me, the Holy Spirit. And that's really what started changing me, was just realizing that, oh my goodness, this God that I said I've believed in my whole life is real. <laughs> he yeah. can actually do what he says, and the Holy Spirit can be a helper for us. And just finding, knowing that that was against my normal nature, to respond that way to him, to my husband. I knew that that was the working of God because I knew that I didn't have it in me to react that way. So I don't, I don't want it to sound like it wasn't hard because it was a discipline, yeah. but, yeah. Um, but it was just a focus and it was, it was um, a mercy that God had given me like a list. Cause you know, women, I, I think most women relate to that. Like, yes, give me a list and I can do it. Check that one, yep. check that one, check that one. Yeah. And I had my whole life kind of spiraling out of control, but I had this list of stuff to work on. And so it was like a distraction for me to do that instead of worrying about what my husband was doing. Mm. Shauna, Laura and I were in church yesterday and the pastor was preaching from Acts and he was talking about Paul where they went into a town, they only saved one person and they got thrown in jail, um, into the inner jail and they're legs are in stocks and they're chained together 
And in that situation, I would just be like, come on, Lord, like I'm doing your will. I can remember we moved to Colorado Mm -hmm. because God told us to, and my work dried up and I didn't have any money and I was selling things and I was angry with God. And I was like, Hey, we did this thing for you. I didn't want to live in this state. I don't like the cold. And here I am, you know, Paul could have done that too, but instead in the middle of the night, Paul's singing praises to the Lord. How did you not just have the world's biggest pity party? You're like, listen, I've got three boys and I'm doing the right thing and I'm working in children's church and all this stuff. And how did you not just, I mean, in a way, give up? I guess one thing that was liberating for me was to realize that my job is obedience to God and -hmm. God's job is everything else. Right. So if I would have stayed focused on just the solution, like I know so many women who get so frustrated, you know, because I I want my marriage to work. I want my husband to stop what he's doing and it come to his senses and this and this and this and this. But the thing is, is like, we have no control over a person, you know, and, and very often we can't change the outcome of our circumstance. And I love that you brought up Paul because I love Paul and he's just a perfect example of what I said before, like God is not afraid to ask us to do hard things, but our job is obedience. And Paul's um, job, you know, God obviously wasn't afraid to let him suffer. Obviously, like he was with Paul and he empowered Paul and he blessed Paul. And we are Mm -hmm. still talking about him today. All of these years later, he's affecting all of these people. But I think that when we get twisted and that we are responsible for the outcome, um, we're not. We're only responsible for obedience. And God's job is everything else. And that's kind of liberating to know that, like, he gave me this list to work on, and I know what I'm supposed to be doing. He is going to have to fix everything else, because I can't. Yeah, there's freedom in that. There is, and this is what, when you were talking about being nice to your husband, is Ephesians, because you're not really being nice to him. You're being nice to the Lord, because that's what Ephesians said. It says, submit to your husband as if unto the Lord. That's why it's revolutionary when he talks. And it's so much easier to talk about slaves than it is wives and husbands because my wife is sitting Mm -hmm. here and I don't want to look across at her and be like, you should submit (laughs) to me like you're worshiping the Lord because that doesn't do well. (laughs) But when he was talking to slaves, he said, listen, it will change slavery. Your masters won't know what to do because you're not being kind to them, gentle to them, having self-control and patience, you know, not being rude. You're doing it as if unto the Lord. And that's why it works. It's not because of you. And it's not because of Micah. You're being obedient. God does everything else. Yeah. My friend Kim kind of, uh, she's a long distance friend of mine. So every once in a while we have phone calls and right in the middle of all of this, I was so frustrated Mm. because Micah, it got worse before it got better. And for some women, it's not like this is something that, Oh, if you follow this list, you're your husband's going to come back to the Lord and to you and you'll stay married forever. Like, that's not what this is. It's again about obedience and God guiding each step of the way. Mm. But in this, um, this one moment, I was just so frustrated and I knew that God directed me to first Corinthians 13 to do this thing. So if I could have pretended that I didn't hear him, they're like, Oh, I just made that up, you know, <laughs> when it got hard, but I had told a couple people who acted like my accountability partners. Mm. And so my friend Kim, she said, Shauna, like you are so frustrated because Mike is not responding. Because um, he was just cold in those days. I mean, he acted repulsed by me. Like if I tried to touch him, like he would flinch. Mm. So she said, this is not a sacrifice of something that you were doing for Micah. This is something that you were doing for the Lord. And so mm. just to have someone else on your side, like validating, like obedience to the Lord and championing that. Because that's a hard 
thing to tell a friend. You know, I actually find that it's harder to walk with women who are going through this than when I went through it myself, because it's easy for me to be like, I heard from God and I'm going to do this, Mm -hmm. you know, but each, I think that one of the things that I wrote in the book is, you know, we have an obligation to ask God about our story. And I believe that as believers and through the Holy Spirit, like Mm -hmm. he will give us direction for our own season for that day of what to do, you know, so that we know what we're supposed to be doing. And I think a lot of time in this culture of social media and we have like mm-hmm. mega pastors yeah. and we have like, you know, it's funny cause I'm on a radio show right now, <laughs> but like we have so much noise that we don't even know that we can sit before the Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace mm-hmm. and he will give us help in time of need. So I even like to encourage women, like, don't just take my word for it and listen to me. Like, mm-hmm. go into your quiet meeting with the Lord mm-hmm. and see what he has for you. And I think that's what made Paul so powerful, you know, that he had those secret meetings with God and he knew what his task was. Yeah. Yeah. He was abiding in the Lord. Right. That's right. We were talking about your book um, in relation to Hosea, where the Lord, you know, you say, God's not afraid to ask you to do hard things. And the Lord told mm-hmm. Hosea, to marry a prostitute who had kids from prostitution. And he did. And then she went back to prostitution and it broke his heart and he would have to go and buy her back. And then she would go yeah. back again. And then the Lord tells us, yeah, every time you sin, that's how I feel. And that's sobering yeah. fact. And I think that's why this isn't about, and this is a hard one because women are out there like, I'm sure either it was said to you or it was said about you. Um, he cheated, you should leave. And if you don't, you're less of a woman. You're being a doormat. I mean, all those things they say about women, like if you stay and it's like, wait a minute, the Bible says the Lord hates divorce. Maybe we should take that seriously. Yeah, but let me tell you the cool thing that happened. So I'm over here in my little obedience quest, you know, just trying to be patient, just trying to be kind, trying not to be rude. And what I found was that, you know, I had said God was empowering me by the Holy Spirit to do these things. So after a while, it was like, I realized that if I, just a mere mortal, right, like a mere human, can love my husband in this manner, it it was like one day I was like, oh my gosh, this is an object lesson from God for me, so that I know how much grace there is for me. If I can do this to my husband, this comes from God. I knew that that kind of love came from God because I knew as a betrayed wife, a humiliated wife, right, like he had done all these things to me and like, I could love him in this way. Like I knew that came from God. So I began to just realize like new depths and new heights of God's love for me. So I just felt like there's so much cushion for grace here. And I think that's when I it started mattering less and less what my husband thought of me or if he loved me. Cause I was like, I'm loved already. Like I can't do anything to wiggle outside of God's grace. And so it was almost like this, practical object lesson that God was giving me, like, now you're getting it, you know, because when you talked about Hosea, I wasn't relating, like, thinking about what my husband did, like, I was thinking about how many times have I done that to God, where Mm -hmm. I just fallen away, and then every time, like, he takes me in my soul, and my sink, and he takes me back every time, Mm -hmm. and so that's what I'm most thankful for in all of this, I just felt like it allowed me to get a, a deeper view of God's love, which it's hard to wallow, and feel ashamed and feel unloved when you're so loved, you know? Mm. Yeah. Totally. So if you guys, as you guys have walked this out, um, what do you, what are some of the pitfalls and struggles that keep reoccurring maybe? You mean presently? Yeah. Well, here's the thing that's weird. Um, And I I call it in the book a phenomenon, right? Because I don't know how else to explain it. Like 
um, we went through this process of about four months where uh, what I call in the trenches of healing, like every single day, you know, the Bible talks about take your thoughts captive. Mm -hmm. And I, I have a couple chapters in my book about that, because even though God was prompting me that he loved me and, you know, my identity was in Christ and he was directing me. If I would just keep thinking about the affair over and over again yeah. and thinking about that betrayal and thinking about picturing my husband doing the thing, if I didn't take those thoughts captive, I don't believe I could be healed. Yes. And so that's why the Bible yeah. says those things, you know, um, mm -hmm. Philippians 4, 8 talks about whatever's true, whatever's noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Think on these things. So I think initially it was a constant battle of the minds. And I talk about this a lot in the book because it's so important for women. I see women struggle so much toward obedience, but then they'll just wallow on these thoughts for hours yeah. all day until they're in a bundle of nerves. And yeah. listen, just because God asks you to do hard things doesn't mean he's going to leave you there. You know, when Paul was released from prison, he was released from prison. Mm -hmm. He could have had that mindset of like, back in that cell or, you know, I could have been like this disgraced wife forever, but God didn't leave me there. Mm. He picked me up and he restored me. And so what I call the phenomenon is that I, it's not something I struggle with now. And it was pretty quick, like within four or five months, like we can talk about the affair. Like, obviously I'm on a book tour talking about it. It's not sensitive. It doesn't bring up bad things. Um, I just feel like Jesus healed me and I'm mm. healed now you know? Yeah. And so, um, I just feel like we are, are free of that. Um, but I think a lot of that is just practical instruction in the Bible. God tries to help us by giving us this instruction. And we think, well, I don't have to, I'm the victim. Why should I guard my thoughts? I didn't do it. I didn't have the affair, but he puts those things there to help us not mm -hmm. to restrict us. Yes. And how has it worked with your community? Like, how did you share with your community? I know the book is out, so you have your children that at some point are going to get to read it. Like, how have you navigated that, your impact? Well, it was, this is just such a, one of those things, because my husband is actually um, a cop here in the city. Oh. And um, so he works in the city. And so we kept everything under wraps, like for a long time. And then um, we had told like a handful of people, but it wasn't like, I mean, people in his work and everybody like we're kind of like tr like as like people would come to us asking us for advice. And like I said, kind of coming out of the woodwork. So it was kind of like we weren't ashamed to tell people, but it wasn't it was like this book came out and everyone's like congratulating us, you know, like congratulations. And then the newspaper came and did a big story and like mm. and then it was kind of like throwing a wet blanket on it, you know, like, yeah. So what's your book about? And people had no clue that that happened, that we went through that and that. That's then that we would tell people about it. Sure. Yeah. And sure. so, you know, my husband working in such obviously like a secular field, we thought, okay, like I don't want him to be the butt of jokes. I don't want right. it to be like That's what I was gonna ask. So, and, yeah. 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 And so um it's it's not been. It's not been that. And if it if it is, it's behind our backs. Yeah. <laughs> but sure. I'll tell you, it's opened up a lot of doors for people to come and feel like, okay, they're not just these bully roller people. Who, but they're they're putting God at the, and they had doubts too about God and they put him to the test. And mm. one of the things that we've done these last couple of years is, um, and this is a whole nother story, but we bought up property um, out of farm from some farmland and we've been building a house out of shipping containers. Oh, and we, um, we just moved in like a couple of months ago. So it was kind of like one journey to the next. Uh, so we, we finally moved in. So that that's been another, I don't want to say attraction, but it's been another reason for people to come 
see us. Like, what's going on over there? And like coming over and eating at our table and talking and just people that are nosy and just want to see what we're doing. Um, and so, so yeah, like it's, it's caused us to talk to people that otherwise I don't think, and I hate this, but like people just don't feel comfortable talking to church people sometimes, totally. you know, for sure. And so this has been just another avenue. Until they find out you're human like everybody else. And they're like, oh, wait, you're a human? Oh, good. I can talk to you now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, first off about your shipping container home, please send photos because I'd love to see Yeah, that. I actually just posted a fun video on my Facebook and Instagram. And it's on shaunashanks.com. So, and it kind of like just from the time we were setting the containers with the big crane to moving in. Like, and it has like the whole story. So... Oh, I can't check that out. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Thanks for being on the program. Thanks for being vulnerable and for being honest and for talking Mm -hmm. about spiritual warfare and for saying, really, it does take one to tango. That if you're in a terrible situation, Mm -hmm. you can get out of it and the Lord can be your shield. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Shauna. Thank you so much for having me today. Thanks for listening, Rebels. Thank you so much to Shauna Shanks for coming on and being honest and vulnerable. Thanks to her husband for letting her write the book and for their great marriage that's a model to us all. God bless them. And God bless the voice of the martyrs, helping those who've been persecuted for our gospel for more than 50 years all over the world. Persecution.com is their website. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.